Welcome to the She's Electric podcast. I'm Pia, a passionate food consultant who is learning how to build my business while raising my young family. And I'm Kaya, dedicated business coach and enthusiastic yogi. It's our mission to help working mothers redefine the way they work and reimagine what is possible. We aim to be raw and real about the challenges and highlights we experience on our journeys of motherhood, business and life and hope that by sharing what we've learned, we can help you too. Welcome to the She's Electric podcast, where Kaya and I talk about all those taboo subjects that women all think, but society tells us that we shouldn't say. This week, we are going to be talking about a concept that Kaya brought up during her son's funeral. I'm going to launch straight into it. Kaya, you've had a big week this week. How are you doing? Today, I'm doing well. Good. I think that it's it's been interesting to notice that the way that I have felt when I woke up on different days has been really different. At times, that's very comforting. I've probably had one day that was harrowing and one other that was challenging but on that harrowing day it was comforting to remember that like this wasn't where I was at every day Mm -hmm. that it's transient and that every day you wake up with different emotions absolutely I want to say how much I appreciate that you were there and it really meant the world for me that you flew all the way from Ireland Mm -hmm. uh, to be with me in this time because the presence of the people that were there was more important than maybe they would even realize. Really, that is so good to hear because I I was so happy that I went because it was for me, like we've we've gotten to know each other through this coaching world and very much in a business setting. And for me to be able to step into your family life and your, you know, meet your friends and see that kind of personal world that you've cultivated was incredible for me. And because from afar, you I, you worry about your friend. Of course you do. And then I see this incredible support network you have around you. You have so much love in your family and so much love from your friends. And that was really comforting for me to see. Um, but also it was it's such a huge event in your life. I couldn't picture myself not having experienced it with you. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to reference it back and, and talk about Luca's funeral and talk about what you said. So it was just the moment you gave, sent me the dates and you said, look, you do whatever you want to do. I just booked flights because I wanted to experience it with you. There were a couple of really close members of our family who couldn't make it. And I felt really sad for them that they didn't come. Mm-hmm. I think that it would have been really cathartic for them. Yeah. And it would have helped them to worry less about us. To, to be with us on that day and to see where we were at and receive the ceremony that we all shared you know yeah yeah absolutely and I look I'm Irish so Irish people do funerals very well (laughs) and it's a huge part of the grieving process because you it is a it's a celebration of the person's life and I thought that you and Steph got up there and you you did Lucas so proud you know you really created a celebration of who he is and who he was but also there's one thing that you guys did that I really liked that you didn't just talk about Luca. You also talked about how you're coping mm-hmm. and 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 the the things that you're doing because 
with every death there is there, there's the person who dies but then there are the people who are left behind who have yeah. to learn to live and I think there's no focus given to those people on on that on the funeral or funeral so I thought the way that you handled it was it was a beautiful celebration I I do want to talk about this one concept that you brought up during your your speech which was this idea of fear and faith being two sides of the same coin how come you decided to talk about that topic during Luca's funeral I think it resonated so deeply with me because I think that actually in a universal way, it's not just applying to the situation that we're in right now. It it, yeah. it applies universally to our experience every day. Both faith and fear are about believing in something that we can't see. Yeah. The path that fear takes you down is one of destruction. Mm-hmm. And the path that faith can take you down is one of creation. There are moments where particular thoughts come into my head in this situation where the fear is that I was somehow responsible or that Mm -hmm. I could have done something to change this outcome or that this wasn't supposed to happen Mm. and this is an injustice the faith is that Luca's life and his existence was a gift Mm. it's who am I to say what that life was supposed to be this is what was supposed to happen and all the way down to buddha Mm. what he says which is that death is not a punishment it's a law yeah yeah i thought that was incredible when you the way you had written that on the back of the booklet and it's true that death is a law and it's something that's coming for us all and we're all going to experience it throughout our lives and some people experience it at a younger age than others but ultimately you know we are all going to have someone we love die it's just to be completely transparent Mm. I think one of the things that was so powerful for me about this when I was working through it like in our own session is that it's talking about the immediacy of what's going on right now and it's looking the fears right in the face in the middle of the session Pauline looked me in the eye and she just said I've got to speak to this If you want another child, you are young enough to have another child. Mm. This is pulling together, not just this concept, the power of coaching Mm -hmm. and the courage that it takes for somebody to look you in the eye and say Mm. the things that nobody else is going to say to you. That's the difference between friendship and coaching. Yeah, Your friends don't have the balls to say things to you that they think could overstep the line. When a coach surrenders to their own power, what they know is supposed to come out of their mouth Mm. to serve their client, Ah. it can be really, really amazing. I think that her saying that to me was effectively saying the thing that I... I didn't even want to look at myself. I I didn't want to think about, I was just pretending that it wasn't there. Yeah. But but all those questions, do I want another child? Could I have another child? Will my husband, I don't need to make decisions on those things now, but that's where my fear was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was amazing for me to just see that I was holding fear there. Now that I've acknowledged that I have fear around those questions, I feel empowered to surrender and have faith and believe that if I want any of those things Mm -hmm. what's meant to be will be you know 
actually looking you in the eye and tackling that subject that you were, you know, people are thinking, of course, people are thinking that and your parents are dancing around that and we're all dancing around that. And then for Pauline to just smack you between the eyes with it and say, this is something that is still open to you if you want it. And that is the difference between being a, a coach that your clients like or, you know, saying the things that actually need to be said. That's in service, not here yeah. to be liked. I love when I'm being coached, mm. having the experience that you can give your clients saying yeah. things that other people are not going to. It's valuable. It's that distinction between being nice and being good. Yeah, yeah, yeah completely. How are you feeling uh, since Pauline said that? So this thing that you were fearing, that you weren't even approaching, I mean, and understandably, given how recently this has happened, now that she's put this out on the table, what is, is there a shift between fear and, and moving over to faith or what's happening? I think if the, the word to describe it would be surrender. It's surrendering to the fact that the universe has my best interests at heart. Yeah. yeah. The universe wants me to win. It's trusting that whatever transpires is what's right for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, And you sent me a really, really amazing message today about how that you've had to surrender to the fact that you're this has fundamentally changed you. This has changed your life. You know, this is a life altering event and that you were fighting that for, you know, there have been days when you've been fighting that and now you just you have to accept it. Mm -hmm. And then as that happened, then you got this opportunity in your coaching business. The incredible thing is that we have all these fears. And then when we actually lean into them and we surrender that we don't know the answers, we don't know what's going to happen, but trusting and having that faith that the universe knows something that we don't. And, you know, you and I come at things from quite a little bit different perspectives. Like you would use the word God. I, for me, God is a loaded term, but I and I have really battled with religion and versus spirituality. And for me, like religion is just something that has become very corrupt and it's a, it's a way of controlling people. Whereas spirituality is something that I have leaned into a lot over the last few years and this connection to nature and this listening to this voice that is, I really do feel is, has been guiding me when I slow down enough to let it in. And I've seen you over the last few weeks that you have been leaning into those practices. You have been slowing down. You've been journaling. And when you're you're seeing that resistance and that, you know, those negative thought patterns that are putting you into fear mm. as you start to surrender, then that's when this incredible thing happened in your coaching business where you got this, this new opportunity. I think that you're absolutely right about that distinction between religion and spirituality. Mm. Mm-hmm. And though I would use the term God at the beginning, it was a little bit to antagonize my family because they find it so uncomfortable, which entertains me. But I think (laughs) that spirituality is a personal practice and religion Mm. is organized and it's about other people telling you what your expression of your own connection with oneness, the universe or whatever should be. And so actually, though I'm totally at ease using the term God, I'm not religious, I am spiritual. And I think Mm. that in this process a lot of spirituality and having faith is extremely valuable I would say that extends into life when people are disconnected with themselves and out of alignment there's going to be a lot more fear 
Mm-hmm. When there's this, yeah. I don't want to connect to myself, my own body. I don't want to trust myself, mm-hmm. even beyond trusting the universe. It's mm-hmm. trusting yourself, being connected with yourself. Completely. I was talking to my acupuncturist about this the other day. She said she cannot believe the amount of people who are suffering with depression, negative mindset. You know, they're coming into her and they're they're falling apart on her table because they just so badly need to talk. And she said, I don't know what's happening in the world. I don't know what's wrong with everybody's mindset. Mm. And she said, is it something that is post-COVID or is it? And I think, it, look, maybe it is. It's it's post-COVID. Then the world went into hyperinflation. There's been a, a war on over in Russia and Ukraine. And I just think we're being bombarded by all these very fearful messages. And because we've lost that connection to ourselves and we've lost that connection to stillness, just mm. just doing nothing like, you know, for me, it's like going outside in the morning, putting my feet in the grass and just like looking at the sun, come up, listening to the birds, even if it's only for 30 seconds. That for me is like it's just a, a nice way to just connect with something still before I embark on my crazy day. Even if you think about the language that you're using, babe, I go outside, I put my feet on the grass. It's all connection. Mm-hmm. It is this feeling of there is a big world. We're part of this natural system. Mm-hmm. We're in this universe. When you go out into nature, it is this visceral reminder of the outside of us. And actually a lot of the time when we're in our minds, we're thinking about ourselves all the time. I had a really interesting conversation with somebody after the funeral where saying how when they're interacting with people, sometimes somebody can act in a particular way, like, you know, Mm. blank them or just be a bit curt. And then they start going in this cycle of fear that this person doesn't like me creating this whole narrative. And actually, they, the, again, that trust in yourself, that faith in you being exactly where you're meant to be, everything happening in the way that it's supposed to be, is getting outside of your head, getting outside of making Mm -hmm. every situation about you. That's so exhausting, that cycle of being in your head and making everything about you. And people think that they are thinking about other people when they're doing all of this over analysis about what everybody else is thinking but you know really it's narcissism not in a vulgar sense narcissism like you're extrovert about making everything Mm. about you but your own experience that everything is about you yeah yeah which is just the opposite of like oneness it's separateness it's definitely something I have seen a lot in women and it, it stems not from narcissism but it stems from a lack of confidence that they are going into interactions and whereas men would go in and think I did great in that situation I did so great in that meeting and women are going in and they're ruminating over how they performed and they are you know going back over the conversation in their head and going oh did I do it right and everyone thinks I'm terrible at my job and you know and you start to create this whole narrative around things which is completely fucking untrue And actually the people around the room aren't even thinking about you. You know, that little thing that you said was only a blip in their day. And you're, you know, you've built it up to be this massive thing where you were a huge failure. And that's completely leaning into that fear. What do you think narcissism is? I always think of narcissism as being, uh, you know, when you are completely obsessed with yourself. I see it more as like coming from a place of huge confidence rather than a place of a lack of confidence. 
I understand what you're saying. And that's the image that people have of narcissism. Yeah. But I spend a lot of time thinking about this because I notice it's so prevalent in mm. the work that I do. And I think it's it's very negative narcissism that everything in life you make about you, right? Every yeah. interaction yeah. is about what the other person's thinking about you. And it's, mm. it's like when you actually use these terms that are a bit shocking to people to say like, narcissism right they don't like it they'd rather be like I lack confidence Mm -hmm. right it's like I'd rather be diminutive than like a narcissist narcissist. you're a narcissist you're spending all your time thinking about yourself oh my god you're so right one of my patterns when I am really feeling depleted and I I had it this week because Stephen is away and I'm looking after Enzo on my own and I've been sick all, all week and I'm seven and a half months pregnant and it all just got a lot And one of my patterns when I'm really tired is I will replay negative conversations I had in my head over and over again for absolutely no reason other than just to like relive them. And this is what I could have said. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And like, I do know know, what you mean. It's ridiculous. Everybody knows what you mean. (laughs) We all do it. We all do it. And it's, you know, I, I have really learned so much from you over the last few weeks on choosing high vibration emotions versus low vibration emotions and this week I was I was very much leaning into those low vibration emotions even the way he's having an, an amazing time over in France and I'm so happy for him but like he walked out the door with with Enzo's dodo which I'm not ready to wean him off the dodo the week that Stephen's away and <laughs> it's such a stupid thing but I was replaying this conversation that I had with him on on the phone when I rang him and I overreacted and I felt really stupid about that but then I was replaying the anger in my head. I had to just kick myself up the ass and go, Pia, how do you want to feel today? What we always say, ask yourself, how do you want to feel today? Do I want to feel resentful? Do I want to feel angry to feel overwhelmed? No, I don't. Do I want to feel really, really grateful that my husband is away having a really good time because he deserves it and he works bloody hard for this family? Yes, I do. Do I want to feel grateful that I have this even though the house is filthy and it's a mess, I have a house to clean, you know? It's like leaning into those things. Um, so, so what does surrendering and like empathy do for you in this situation? Um, the surrender is knowing that it's just not going to be perfect this week. I fucking hate that word perfect because I think it's forced on women. And we all have become these little perfectionists. I'm definitely guilty of it. Like the house doesn't need to be spotless this week. You know, I'm solo parenting. I'm running business. I'm much more tired than I've ever been in my life. And I'm feeling every second of it. And so it's that surrender. And it's also surrendering to the fact that having that empathy for myself and and that it has been it has been hard We talk about energy and I'm a big believer in you need to cultivate energy if you're feeling really tired and and lethargic. But this week, this is genuine tiredness where you running up and down the stairs is not going to help. Like you need to just lean into, you know, like last night I just watched the new Little Mermaid on TV, which like I never do. I never sit down and watch a movie because I just I'm always like, I need to use this time to do one of my coaching courses or learn something or, you know, like a webinar. And this time I was just watching it and I absolutely I enjoyed every minute of it. Well, I'm very glad to hear that you did that as you were talking then and you were like, I've got to remind myself that I'm grateful and bright. Mm. (laughs) It's like 
that's not surrendering and that's the the bit that you get to in the end the empathy is like it's understandable that that you would feel pissed off about the dodo that you're feeling really tired (laughs) that your energy is low right yeah yeah it's such a common pattern to forget that empathy is about saying it's understandable not fixing it yeah yeah and like you fix yourself when you just say it's understandable you know completely and it's it's not about this toxic positivity where it's like no. I'm grateful I'm grateful blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean but it's I, I do really believe and I've seen it so much with you in the last few weeks that we can't choose what happens to us but we can we make a choice in our response and there are times when it is really really shit but it's also going how is it that I want to feel and I, I'm just going to bring up the example of um I know a woman and she has recently gotten IVF. She's gotten a transfer. She's done multiple rounds unsuccessfully and she is doing it for the last time. And she has worked on her mindset so much over the last few months. It's been incredible to watch. She's working on her nutrition. She's working on her exercise, all these things to kind of, and she's starting to do exercise for her as opposed to just doing it to get pregnant because everything's been about trying to get pregnant but she was getting an infusion during the week and they kind of messed up the infusion. And she she just rang me and said, I, I was feeling so positive about everything until this infusion went wrong. And then what that did was it got me into a negative spiral and a negative mindset of this isn't going to work. And so she said, you know, how can I snap myself out of this? I don't know how to do it. And I said, OK, you're getting the transfer. You're going to have to wait two weeks until the pregnancy test. How do you want to feel over those two weeks? Do you want to spend the next two weeks leaning into fear and, you know, making up these stories about how it it won't work? Or do you want to spend the next two weeks leaning into faith and making up stories about how it will work? Because at the end of the day, what's going to happen is going to happen. How you how you live over the next two weeks could be vastly different depending on what you lean into. I love that you gave that reframe. That story is the perfect example. The fact that the experience that I'm going through right now, it is a big trauma, but there are things that so many women are going through all of the time. Mm. And the journey of motherhood, whether you are preparing for a baby, whether you are dreaming of a baby, whether you mm. are with your baby or you've got multiple babies, it's such a roller coaster ride the whole way through. The only thing that we all ever have is today. There's so many people, they get the things that they want and then it's just fear about the next thing and fear about the next thing, whether it's school and then it's drugs and that they're going to get pregnant. You know, it's, if your pattern is fear, it will go on forever. Mm. Oh my God, you're so right. It's like, as soon as you get what you want, you're scared of losing it, you know? And someone said this to me when I had a baby, she said, it's, it's a really scary thing when you have a baby because your it's like your heart jumped out of your body and is now outside of your body and can be trampled by a car or something you know and I understood what she meant but also what a fearful way to live yeah and one of the weird things that's happened to me through this situation is that I feel quite fearless because what the fuck else have you got for me right (laughs) you've done the worst what could be worse and that's an interesting thing to see because Mm. that faith is brighter now as the only way yeah. Yeah. Because the the biggest fear has realized. I think yeah. people spend much more time having not faced this kind of 
situation in negative emotions because they are in that Mm -hmm. place of fear all the time and like you were just talking about with your friend that's such a common thing that so many women are on that different journey the thing about society is that all of that pressure's on the woman it takes two components to make an embryo and that's Mm. the egg and the sperm and all of the focus is on whether the woman's body is taking it Mm. whether everything works together it's not all on the woman Yeah. And yeah, it it feels like such a big weight. Yeah, completely. And also I find that there's a lot of judgment on the woman, especially when she's going through that. Like, what are you eating? You need to manage your stress. Even when they're trying to get pregnant. One of um, my friends was telling me she hadn't been drinking for a really long period of time trying to have a baby. Mm. Her her partner's out on the piss every single weekend. It's back to those two components. The thing about the IVF journey, which sadly is such a familiar mm-hmm. journey for many women these days that journey doesn't isn't just to do with the the part where they find out whether it's successful or not it's all of the preparation before all of the, oh, hormones. the hormones i mean the 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 what a woman goes through in that process mm. it is it's a lot and there's so many women that are, every day we're coming into contact with whether they're at work or whether they're somebody serving your coffee you don't know where they are on these kinds of journeys right no, exactly. Actually, it was really, really funny when when your dad was driving myself and Pauline to the train station. He drove up close to this cyclist and the cyclist got really annoyed and was shooting him filthies and like kind of tapped on the car and he was just angry and he kept looking back when the lights were red. And I was just thinking, if you knew that that this man has just buried his grandson, like you would not be acting like this he'd be horrified Mm. and for me it was a really good reminder of you don't know what's going on in other people's lives Mm. so you know and so if somebody does cut you off in traffic or if somebody is short with you on the phone it's like give them the benefit of the doubt and just say look they're just having a bad day oh my god I feel like this whole experience has just brought me into this like desire to really want to live my life giving everybody benefit of the doubt that's how we should be treating people yeah. it's the difference yeah. that kindness can make mm-hmm. with random people that yeah. you know, like from your friends and family who know what's going on for anybody whether when mm. they're experiencing some sort of adversity kindness is incredibly powerful the kindness of strangers is an amazing force and we each yeah. are strangers when we go out into the world every day and we've got the ability to be kind to so many people around us Yeah, yeah. It's something I definitely saw eroded during COVID. I definitely feel that there's so much, there's so much more judgment layered on women than there is on men. And you brought up that example of your friend and her husband's going out and he's having drinks every weekend. We've had friends who, when they are going through all this fertility treatment, they ask their husbands to not go out and to take it easy and to kind of go on the health journey with them. And those women got judged. It's like, oh, she's so controlling, Mm. you know? It's like, and then, you know, women are told you should go out and have a few drinks, just relax, relax, or you shouldn't be drinking. You should be, you know, looking after your body affects your hormones. So it's like what I find with all of these things, it's the judgment that is so corrosive. What's really interesting for me that you brought up this particular example is I was listening to a podcast just yesterday Mm. and it was this reality star who I enjoy. She's extremely extremely wealthy Asian American they are like so rich in Beverly Hills and she was talking about her own journey through IVF she's had seven rounds right one child and it was only on the fifth round that they tested to see what the problem was with the sperm oh 
my god which was actually what the problem was so like on the tv show it's it's about the fact that she actually says on it that you know it wasn't her problem and her husband was just like thank you so much for telling the truth you've borne this cross for so many years everybody's Mm. judged you but also how crazy that in the medical system they didn't even check until she'd been through five rounds of IVF in detail about the sperm it's it's because the whole system is geared towards judging the woman honestly it made me it made me like furious absolutely even the type of language Elizabeth Day talks about it a lot that you know the language it it very much blamed her when she was going through her IVF journey that you're not responding to medication and you have an inhospitable environment in your womb and it's It's like awful isn't it awful it's like no your medication isn't responding to me Mm. you know yeah and it's this very I think that's the thing is that whilst modern medicine is absolutely incredible and saves millions of lives and creates Mm. many you know miracle babies and many miracle recoveries it's also it's just one pillar of health as you know from your own experience with acupuncture and other alternative therapies Mm. when people are only talking to one source and that Mm -hmm. source has no knowledge about broader wellness I remember when I had Luca being in hospital and these Mm. this awful female doctor just being so abusive and telling me that I should be induced and really judging me about the risks I was taking and all of this stuff literally 24 and you don't have any children just get the fuck out it was just so like computer says no with our bodies it's not about what the computer says or doesn't say it's again coming full circle it's that faith there's many women in this situation but also in all situations developing that relationship of trust and love with yourself but really tuning into the fact that you're the one who knows intuitively what's right for you cultivating that relationship so many people are shut off between their body and their mind we talked about it a few podcasts back about that reframe on meditation just being about getting into your body yeah that relationship is so valuable for women to cultivate that trust oh absolutely because and it has been proven that women you know, we have better intuition than men. You know, that's one of the feminine traits is that we can lean into, into intuition very well. And yet I find that you get these structures like the education system, the food industry, the the medical profession that's really forcing women to override that innate knowledge they have about themselves and telling them, you need to do this. You need to take this pill in order to be healthy instead of actually listening to your body. And it's something that I talk about a lot, even on my social media, about there is no one diet for everyone. You know, someone saying, you know, I have a completely vegan diet and I feel great and I feel amazing all the time. And it's like, great, that is really good for you. Mm. You know, and I'm always saying to my clients, like eat food and see how it makes you feel. Mm. Because that's how you're going to start to know what you respond to and what you don't. I think for women who are on that journey, it's so challenging because there's this thing that you want so much mm. and it's it kind of this this obsession and this fixation on like this is the only thing that's going to make my life happy yeah. you're missing out on your life right now yeah yeah you know like yes I accept that there will be things that we need to sacrifice whether that's going through some sort of hormone treatment mm-hmm. but if it gets to a point where you're like this isn't right for me yeah <laughs> I know yeah. so many stories of people who stopped having IVF treatment and they 
fell pregnant naturally everyone's got to go through that journey themselves but listening to your body and what feels right for you and if something really doesn't feel good and if it's destroying your relationship and your life right as much as children are absolutely a gift and they're amazing they are a big part of what life's about You, you you live your life up to you have your children being happy and having a great experience and then when they grow up and they leave the nest you also have your own life as well this role being a parent it's one role but there's so many other dimensions of life and you can have a child and be estranged from that child or you can have a child that's the whole experience is very different from this fairy tale that you think it's going to be yeah And you can also have an extremely close relationship with somebody, a young person who wasn't your biological child. That maternal energy and that maternal love can come out in many different forms. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, I think that we, we lean into fear so much because, and this is quite a cynical outlook, but I think so many of these structures are trying to sell something to us. So Mm you can sell IVF and get a far higher price for it than you can sell, you know, do meditation every morning, go out for a walk, you know, eat nutrient dense foods like bone broths. You know, you can't put money on that, whereas you can put money on IVF. And I think Mm. so many women, for example, are pushed into these things that can be billed for. Mm. And they're actually leaning away from that faith in themselves. Mm. So Pia, what would you say to round off this episode if you were looking fear right in the eye, what is it that's that place for you right now? I mean, I think that I, I have battled a lot with fear throughout my life. I had my first panic attack when I was eight years old and that became a pattern that was in my life for until I was 30 something, I'd say probably 32. Um, and it got to a point where I was like, I'm just going to have six panic attacks a day. And that's just that was my life. It was just the pattern. And I was just as soon as I had one, I was just waiting for the next one. And I was constantly sitting in the in the future. I was scared of what was going to happen. And whenever my phone would ring, like no word of a lie, if I saw my mom's number pop up, my dad's number pop up, I would go, oh, my God, someone's died. Someone someone has died. So I, it was so ridiculous. And it was only through getting introduced to coaching and realizing that we choose our thought patterns and they are just habits. This, this, this anxiety was a habit that had formed into myself and the habit was all about leaning into fear. Mm. And so for me, the big thing has been starting my day, just saying, how is it that I want to feel? And it's, this is like a two or three minute practice where I just write down, you know, I want to feel in love with my husband. I Mm want to feel you know, I want to feel like I'm having fun with my with my son. I want to feel motivated by my job. And it's like, what are the things that I can do to cultivate that? So it's like if the kitchen's a mess, instead of having an argument with Stephen over it, it's like knowing that it's, you know, I can go up and give him a hug, for example, and say, like, today, when we have time, can we just tackle this kitchen? You know, it's a very different way of approaching that. So that for Beautiful. me has been how I've done it. Thank you. So what's the root of anxiety for you when it arises now if it was coming from fear the root of anxiety would be it's definitely looking for me anxiety sits in the future it doesn't sit in the past it's going that things aren't going to be okay so like right now I've really had to keep myself level with when I'm finishing up at the end of this month and I've got all these this client work to to deliver 
And I, there's one client that I'm doing a big project with. I haven't even started the work with them because the grant hasn't been approved. And it's that fear of this is not going to work out. You're not going to get everything done and your business is going, reputation is going to be destroyed. What's so interesting about your response there is that when you actually say it out loud, I'm not going to get everything done and my work, my reputation is going to be destroyed. It's quite useful to just say it out loud because you realize how ridiculous it is. Even if you didn't get one project done, your reputation is not going to be destroyed. Mm. Um, What I would just love to end this episode offering the audience is that I've had a lot of fear recently coming up this kind of feeling of anxiety and I think it's to do with something bad did happen and this mantra has been helping me so much which is I am safe and all is well you hit the nail on the head that anxiety is based in the future and fear is about things not working out and sometimes Mm -hmm. we don't even know what the things are it's just this overall feeling of things are not going to work out yeah when I have these moments of anxiety sitting down and actually kind of giving myself a hug and rubbing my arms my hands down my arms and saying I am safe and all is Mm. well yeah I am safe and all is well it's amazing how soothing that has been in this time because actually when we do feel scared what we want to feel is that we're safe absolutely and that is a huge part of neuro-linguistic programming when I'm feeling really really anxious I do that same havening technique which is just to kind of rub your shoulders as if it was you were a child and your your mother was doing it to you. And there's so much science behind this. It's actually incredible that it does soothe us. Mm. Half the reason we're fearful is because we're overstimulated mm. and we just need to, to just power down a little bit. And that's an amazing technique that you're giving people to use at home. It does seem ridiculous when you first start doing it. You're just sitting there rubbing your shoulders. But I'm telling you, it has an incredible effect. It works, guys. You are safe. All is well, Mm -hmm. and we will see you again soon. Thank you so much for joining us. If anything we talked about today resonated, and you know a woman who needs to hear this too, please send her the episode and help us keep the movement going. Because women helping women only makes us stronger. To stay up to date on our latest episodes and the guests joining us, follow the She's Electric podcast on LinkedIn and Instagram. The music is Teenage Songbird by Forte, used with permission from the artist. We hope to see you again soon.